encourage you to turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture. This will be on the overhead, of course. I never really realized how much the gospel writers were saying in just several verses in this event of people bringing children to him. And I just pray that today and probably next Sunday also, we will think about bringing our children to Christ. Let me pray and then we'll get started, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be a human being. Lord, I thank you, first of all, that as a human being, we are created in your image and we're created to have fellowship with you. Thank you, Father, that in life you give us a mate, a helpmate. Thank you, Father, for we who have been blessed by having children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Father, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, that for all who are parents or grandparents, that we would see that children and grandchildren are truly a gift, but also as their Christian parents and grandparents and family members and friends, we have a responsibility to them. God is, without a shadow of a doubt, a tough world for children to grow up in right now. And God, I pray that as a church, I pray as Christian parents and Christian grandparents, Lord, that we would commit ourselves to bringing our children and grandchildren to you, to your son. God, I pray that there would be repentance in our nation and that we would turn again to bringing children into a knowledge of the almighty God and his son. God, in these moments ahead, if we examine this scripture seriously, it's going to cut into our hearts. Lord, as parents and grandparents, we so often fail our children and our grandchildren. And God, all we can do is ask forgiveness and pray that we'll do better. But God, in these moments, please challenge our hearts that we'll want to be bringing people, most especially our children, to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read how Mark details this story, okay? Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. And they. Now, isn't that interesting? And I'm going to speak to that in a minute. But isn't it interesting? I always thought that these were parents. But this is not what Mark says. And they. And we'll examine in just a minute who were the folks that were bringing children to Jesus. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. This was their request, simply that Jesus would touch them. And folks, the disciples get involved in this picture, and it says the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And folks, I hope you and I understand that Jesus is is a sinless son of God, but he is a man who is capable of becoming upset and distraught and even angry at things that are wrong. And he became indignant at his own disciples because it was wrong for them to hinder these folks from bringing children. And Jesus said to them, let the children come to me. Do not 
hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And in verse 15, the first word is truly, if you have a King James Version, it is verily. And as you know from hearing this often, that when Jesus says truly, truly, or verily, verily, it is equivalent to the prophets of the Old Testament saying, thus saith the Lord. Folks, what Jesus is about to say is so very important. And he says in verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, in verse 13, they had asked Jesus to touch the children, correct? And folks, isn't it true that Jesus always gives us more than we ask for? And listen to what he does in verse 16. He does three things. Number one, he took them in his arms. Folks, when someone embraces you that loves you, is that not one of the most moving events that you can experience? And folks, here the Lord Jesus embraced these children. And it kind of made me think of what Jesus said in John chapter 10. No one could snatch them out of the Father's hand. Folks, if we bring our children to Jesus and he embraces them, they cannot be snatched out of his hand. Secondly, Jesus blessed them. In the Hebrew customs and the Hebrew families and throughout the Old Testament, this was a loving act of a father to bless his child. And then thirdly, in verse 16, Jesus lays his hands upon them. One Bible commentary said that by laying his hand upon them, it was a visible means of conveying God's blessings on their lives and on their future. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the event of Jesus blessing the children, we should consider this a very important event in the life of Jesus and in the ministry of Jesus, not only in that day, but also for our day. And I want to encourage you, in all three of what's called the Synoptic Gospels, the one that see things alike and tell some of the same stories, All three of the Gospels mention the blessing of the children by Jesus. And if you'll go to the next, there we go. And in addition to these verses that I've read in Mark chapter 10, also in Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15, and in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. And I want to point out why this is so important to see this, okay? In Matthew and Mark's gospel, and please again hang with me, okay, because I just think this is a a tremendous passage of Scripture. Matthew and Mark, before they tell about Jesus blessing the children, in Matthew 19 and Mark 10, verses 1 through 12, in both of those chapters, Jesus teaches about marriage and divorce. And then the children are brought onto the scene. In Luke's gospel, prior to teaching about the children, we're told about the pride of the Pharisee which kept him from receiving the mercy and grace of God and the humble tax collector who humbled himself by confessing his sinfulness and begging for the mercy of God. 
Folks, this happened at a very strategic moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. And folks, all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give after the blessing of the children the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, who had been given wealth apparently by his father, but he was lost. And folks, my point in saying that, and I think the point of the gospel writers, regardless of what we give our children, if we don't bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have failed them at the greatest point. Folks, I think it is no accident that the gospel writers carried this event. And I think that there's a number of important lessons from this passage of Scripture. And let me mention three, okay? Number one, God loves the family. Please don't ever forget that. The family is of divine origin. God's design is for marriage between a man and a woman to join them together in a faithful and loving relationship for all of their lives. And as a result of that love for one another... And folks, I got to be real careful here because I don't want anybody thinking this morning that if God has not granted you children, that he for some reason doesn't like you and is holding back a blessing because that's not true. And I don't want you to think that um, just because you're married, you've got to have children. That's a personal decision that you must make. But folks, for we who have children... The ultimate result of our love for one another as husbands and wives is childbearing and child raising. And this is all according to the plan of God. And if God loved the family and God had a plan and purpose for the family, we need to find out what that purpose and plan is and follow it just as closely as we can. Amen? Amen? I mean, we should, folks. So God loves families. And secondly... This passage of Scripture is teaching about receiving the kingdom of God, about being a saved person, about entering into heaven. If we're going to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we've got to lay everything else aside, which we think makes us worthy of being a Christian and understand that we must come to God in a childlike manner, meaning that like a child accepts the love of a father and mother, you and I accept God's love and salvation in a simple, humble, trustful, and wholehearted manner. As we turn from sin and repent and receive Christ as our Savior and God as our Heavenly Father, we should model the example of a child who puts their complete trust in those who love them. But folks... The third lesson in this passage of Scripture, and this is what I want us to look at in the coming days, coming Sunday. These folks were bringing their children to Jesus. Look at verse 13 of of Mark 10. It says, they... In the King James, in the Revised Standard Version, it says, they were bringing children. The New International Version translates the word people. Now, folks, I want you to see, I think there's an important point here. It could have been the mothers and fathers. 
It could have been the grandparents that day that were bringing children. It could have been their older siblings that were bringing them to Jesus. It could have been neighbors. Folks, here's my point. Someone was bringing children to Jesus. And I want to ask a question. Who brought you to Jesus? And if it was your mom and your dad, you need to praise them and thank them for the life they lived before you as a Christian. And folks, now we need to ask a second question. Who are we bringing to Jesus? Who are we bringing to Jesus? Matthew and Mark used the word children. They were bringing children. And that word can mean uh, anywhere from a baby to a preteen. Luke uses the word, the Greek word for infants or babies. And again, it's important to me because, folks, you know, I, I don't know what your picture is, but they they were so burdened for even the newborns up to the preteens that they could bring them to the Lord. And folks, it doesn't make any difference how old our children are or becoming. It is still our responsibility as, as parents and grandparents to bring our children and our babies to Jesus. Now, why should we do this? Number one, praise of God. The Jewish people of that day looked on children as a blessing and not a burden. The Jewish people of that day looked upon children as a rich treasure from God and not a liability. Folks, even in Jesus' time to the Jewish people to be without children brought sorrow and for many disgrace. Now, again, I want you to understand if you don't have any children, if for whatever reason God has not allowed you to have children, that's no sign that God is angry with you. God has a purpose and plan, and perhaps you'll have a greater impact on someone else's children than they even would have. The greatest, one of the greatest influences in my life, I've told you many times, was my aunt. She never had any children, but me. I always said I was her I was her son, and I was glad to acknowledge that. Folks, if you read the Old Testament, you see where women would literally pray for children. I'll give you an example. The mother of the prophet Samuel or the priest Samuel, his mother would go to the to the temple and pray. And she would ask God to give her a son. And when God eventually gave her Samuel, she committed him to God. But folks, I want to give you some verses about how people felt about children in the Bible, okay? Let me read these verses to you. Psalms 127, verses 3 to 5, and then Psalms 128, verses 1 to 6. These two Psalms run concurrent in the Old Testament. But listen to these verses, okay? And this is out of the Living Bible, all right? Read that first phrase with me. Children are a gift from God. Amen. Isn't that true? And listen to this. They are His what? Reward. Notice in these verses that I'm going to read three times the word reward is given. Verse 4. Children born to a young man are like sharp arrows to defend him. Remember, that was a warrior culture. 
Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. That man shall have the help he needs when arguing with his enemies. And look at these next verses, Psalms 128. Look at that first verse. Blessings on all who reverence and trust the Lord, on all who obey him. That's a powerful verse. How many of us don't want God's blessings? If you're of a sound mind, you would want God to bless you, correct? Well, here's three things that will cause God to bless us. Blessings on all who, number one, reverence. Number two, trust the Lord. And number three, obey the Lord. That's pretty simple, isn't it? To reverence the Lord means that we regard Him as holy. He is above all else. To trust the Lord means that we just lean on Him for everything. And to obey Him, I don't have to tell you what that means. Whatever He says, we tried our best to do it. And look at verse 2. Their reward, reward used for the second time, shall be prosperity and happiness. And folks, prosperity and happiness includes the blessing of having children. But listen to verse 3, and I love this verse. (laughs) Men, you want to read this with me? Would you like to do that? Your wife will be contented in your home. Amen. That's whoever said that. You ever heard that expression, happy wife, happy life? But look back. Look back at this. If we regard God as holy, if we trust the Lord, if we obey Him, I think that sets the stage for a happy home. The wife is contented. And look at the next phrase in verse 3. And look at all those children. Exclamation mark. There they sit around the dinner table as vigorous and healthy as a young olive trees. I've never seen an olive tree, but... Apparently, they're a pretty steady tree. That is God's reward. The third time that that word is used, that is God's reward for those who reverence him and trust him. And look at verse 5. May the Lord continually bless you with heaven's blessings as well as with human joys. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. Listen to that. Folks, these are everyday folks talking about God giving blessings to them. Folks, I want to point something out. A home that is obedient to God is a home with heavenly blessings and human joys. Now, that doesn't mean it will be perfect, and it doesn't mean that there will be meltdowns and arguments and everything else that come to a typical household. But when we are obedient to God as a home in our marriage with our children, God brings heavenly blessings and human joys. And, folks, look at that last phrase, and may God bless Israel. And I want you to take this very serious about what I'm trying to say. The psalmist sees that as God blesses the family, so the nation is blessed. Therefore, if our homes are blessed by God, our nation will be blessed by God. And perhaps the breakdown in the home has led to the breakdown in our nation.
When we bring our children to the Lord, number one, we're praising God. Number two, it was customary in that day for parents to bring their children to the rabbis for a blessing. So at this point in time, it speaks of the esteem that the people held for Jesus at that time. But they also had a desire for their children to be blessed. But folks, let me tell you a third reason I believe that they were bringing their children to Jesus. The Jewish people recognized their responsibility to bring their children to a knowledge and experience of their God. And God had commanded them to do this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 4, listen to these verses. You've heard them many times. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you this day uh, shall be upon your heart. Now, these two verses, these three verses, speak about how you and I are to be in right, right relationship with God. We're to be obedient to God. We, as Christian parents, as husbands and wives, we are to be loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And folks, what will happen next? Well, teachers and examples are also parents. Look at verse 7. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Using every day as an opportunity to bring our children to Christ. Do we see it that way? And I'm preaching to to myself. Folks, listen to this. In verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your houses and on your gates. What does that mean? It means that we would not be ashamed of God and of his word and of his expectation of you and I as parents. And we need to ask ourselves as Christian parents, do our children see us reading our Bible and see us praying and see us serving others? Do they see us as people who are happy when we go to worship God? Folks, these are questions that you and I need to ask ourselves. And if folks, if children are a gift from God, according to Psalms 127, it is our God-given responsibility as parents and as families to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 4. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Will you give me just a couple of minutes, okay? And I'm, I know I'm getting close to time. Are we as parents, are we as a nation, bringing our babies and our children to Jesus? And what I'm about to share with you, I want you to understand this, that it comes from my heart. It is not meant as statements of judgment of others. It's not meant to be harsh. It's not meant to cause you or me to feel guilty. Because, you see, I have not been nor am I now the perfect parent and grandparent. But, folks, I want to point out to all of us, it is our God-given responsibility as parents, grandparents, uncles and aunts, siblings, as a church family and as a nation, we are to be bringing the next generation to Christ. And I know the first argument that is hurled at 
a statement like that is, I'm not going to force religion on my child. And I want to remind you that I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the living, loving Lord. Those children were able to be touched by Jesus. And if we will live for Christ before our children, they will be touched by Jesus. Christianity is not a world religion. It is the living, dynamic, growing relationship that we all can have with Jesus Christ, even as children. And folks, look at the world that we're living in now. If we don't bring our children to Christ, then Satan and his host will lead them to destruction. And I want to read to you the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. The way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. There are two paths that we can take in life. Even our children, even our young people have two ways before them. Which way are we as parents and grandparents pointing them to? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Are we pointing our children to Christ? And no, we cannot force Christ on them. We must encourage them to check out the claims of Jesus Christ and then make their own decision. But if they see Jesus living in us, then they'll follow him. You know who has the greatest influence on the children? It is the parent. Our world has changed so rapidly I know that I am an old man now, but I want to point out how the world has changed in my life and in my generation. And I want to do that by by just mentioning some things that I never heard growing up. And I I don't remember. I, I just got down here before the age of 10. And the young parents here today with young children, how will this nation, our society, change in the years that your children are growing up and making decisions? Folks, here's some words that I never heard when I was growing up that I can remember. Abortion. I never heard that word. Child abuse or molestation. Yeah, my mama whooped me, but it was not abuse. Even though we were a single parent home, I was raised by my mother, as you guys know, I never heard that expression. I never heard the expression gay marriage. I never heard the expression crack house or crackhead or recreational drug use. I never heard the names of the many drugs that are being used today, marijuana. If I'd have heard that, I'd have thought it was a town in Mexico. But yet our children know these things. Heroin, LSD, meth, a meth lab, fetal alcohol syndrome. I never heard that expression. Fetal drug dependence or addiction. I never heard that. And I can truly say that although we felt like we didn't have enough, we didn't feel like we were living in poverty. We didn't see any starving children not getting enough nutrition. We didn't hear. I never heard a child say, I want to divorce my parent. Now, All of my friends, they would tell me and I would tell them how mad I was at my mama, but I never said I wanted to divorce her. 
I wonder how many juvenile facilities and detention centers were available back then. We're debating over when a child can be charged by a crime as an adult. And that obviously means that our children are committing crimes that people normally would not think of a child committing. And I know that all of this is depressing, but what I'm asking you to do is look at the world that your children are coming up in. We need to bring our children to Jesus Christ and ask Him to embrace them and to bless them and to lay His hands upon them. Our nation needs to bring our children back. And again, I'm not up here this morning to criticize or judge others. In a nation that has, has on average over a million abortions in this country every year, something is wrong. Sex has become recreation instead of procreation. Sex has become recreation instead of expressing the love between a man and woman that have committed themselves to one another as husband and wife. Folks, you might think, well, I, I just want to get everybody worked up today. Folks, it's here. It's here. How about child abuse and child rape and molestation? There's some things that are happening to children now that I would have never imagined. And I pray to God it doesn't happen. I pray it stops. I pray it doesn't happen to any of the children in our church. I'm going to close by telling you a very sad, sad story. And you know this is true because you know about it. When I first got, the church gave me the smartphone, which I'm still trying to comprehend and understand. If I was visiting in a hospital and I had to step out of a patient's room because the doctor or nurses had come in to do something, I'd pull that thing out and say, I'm going to learn how to do this. And one of my favorite things was to pull up the Channel 5 app and get the latest news. It was along the time that the mother in Fayetteville had given her four- or five-year-old daughter to the drug dealer to settle a drug debt. And that man raped her and murdered her. The description was not very graphic, but as an adult, it didn't take me long to understand what this man had done. And I pray to God, I know that little girl's safe. But I pray to God for that man and for that mother. How can we allow this to happen to our children? Have we as a church taken a stand that we will not surrender our children and our grandchildren to the devil? We will live for them in such a way that someone else won't have to tell them about Jesus. We'll do it. And we'll do it not only with our words, but we'll do it with the life that we live. We'll love them enough to tell them about Jesus. And they don't have to be sucked up into this world that is, that is hurting and killing and destroying innocent young lives. Now, I'm be honest with you, folks. I've struggled with this sermon. How much stuff do you talk about that's happening in the world today? But, folks, it's here. But listen, we have a Savior, and His name is Jesus. 
We have a generation that wants us to stand up and tell them the truth. And the truth is there's two ways in life. Sin destroys. Jesus brings life. And life in its abundance. And I'm not trying to lay a heavy burden on you. I'm just telling you, if Jesus gave you the children, He wants you to share the Lord Jesus Christ with them. May God help us to do that. May we bring our children to Jesus. Next week, we'll talk about how we can do it, okay? Let's pray. Father, truly you must weep in heaven to see what is happening to the children and the young people and the babies in our world today. Father, awaken us that because you live in us, there's no greater force in this world. Evil seems to have taken control, but God help us that where we live, in our homes, in our community, in this church, we will live for you. And use us, Father, to bring others to your Son, most especially our children and our babies. Father, please protect our marriages. Please protect our homes. Please protect our children. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of decision this morning is number 435, Just As I Am. The altar is going to be open this morning if you just need to come and pray. Folks, we need to bring our youngins to the Lord. I pray that we'll do that. Let's stand as we sing.